We're cooking up some recipes, gonna give them a spin. If you're messing with top rope chefs, you can never win. We'll be leaving you in the kitchen, wishing you were beaten, battered, and fried. And we'll be cooking up some main dishes, desserts, and yummy things on the side. Can you take the heat? 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 Welcome to Top Rope Chef. We are your Top Rope Chefs. This is a podcast about food and wrestling. We're cooking through Jim Ross's cookbook, Can You Take the Heat? One Recipe at a Time. That's a lie. We do two recipes a week. (laughs) My name is Bradley, the Apocalypse Jones, with me as always. Jacqueline, the Moose Maynard. There it is. Have you ever eaten a moose before? Have you ever had moose meat? No, I wanted no. to at one point. It's tasty. You've had it? Oh, yeah. My uh, my roommate has a friend who was in Alaska, and he shipped us oh. bear and moose. The How moose you... was better than the bear was. Classic. How do you eat it? Um, cook it like a steak. Moose steaks. You just got like a big steak of moose. Was it like a Flintstones, like like? piece of meat size where it's like the size of your torso moose yeah i went out to my car and someone delivered it on roller skates and it tipped my car over it was so big perfect (laughs) that's a flintstones reference but nobody's gonna get yeah i got it (laughs) okay before we get into uh the recipes jacqueline the drinks we drink every something we drink a thing we do drink a thing are you drinking a thing today oh i'm drinking a thing today i am drinking tandem ciders farmhouse fit for a brit Hard apple cider. Life is sweet, life is hard. This is, you've had one of their ciders. This is the cider we had at our wedding. This one is described as a polite dry cider with a pleasing accent. This classic barrel-aged cider will leave you feeling chuffed to bits. And I am feeling chuffed. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) I was hoping you would just know and I would have to get into it. (laughs) I don't know what chuff to bits is. Um, pleased with yourself? I'm going to go with that. I'm going a little bit basic B. I've got a cider from a company that I don't know what, what you feel about because they're just like the Budweiser of ciders. I have oh. an Angry Orchard cider. Ah. Rose flavored. <laughs> really? Rose yes. like the flower? Rose like the flower. You taste that and let me know what it do- does to you. <laughs> I want... This to be the start of me eating flowers. Jacqueline, okay. I want to eat flowers this summer. I haven't eaten a flower. Brad, they have recipes for flower salad. I, They're so I beautiful. know. I want to eat a fl- I want to eat a pretty flower. You just want to destroy something beautiful so you can feel beautiful inside? Yeah, and I hope it tastes good at the same time. <laughs> it tastes like wine. Uh, okay. <laughs> it tastes like red wine. <laughs> Your face is unpleasant i think i just drink a white zinfandel <laughs> like an arbor mist yeah oh hmm. wow it's so fr- sugary how much it has 12 yeah. grams of sugar in this that's not even that much yeah i think they back sweeten theirs so it tastes worse i don't know why they like to do such a bad job at things but they really do because they're cheap and they can do it, I guess. Mm-hmm. It has, uh, well, let me read off some of these ingredients here. Yikes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Hard cider, water, cane sugar, apple juice, concentrate, malic acid, natural flavor, 
colored with red flesh apples, sweet potato, radish, and hibiscus, carbon dioxide, and sulfates to preserve freshness. Hey, you know what mine is made out of? Apples. Apples. (laughs) (laughs) And sulfites to preserve freshness, but apples. How do you like them apples? There's not even a rose on the flavor of this thing. I wonder, is it supposed to be rosé, like wine? Oh, you know what? There's an accent over the E. Yeah, that's wine-flavored cider. Gross. Oh my gosh, I got tricked. I got (laughs) swindled by the Angry Orchard Company. This isn't flowers at all. This is sweet potatoes. (laughs) You should still eat some flower salad. Maybe we'll tell our listeners about it. I want to eat an entire bed of flowers. I just want to go out there into the garden. I want the neighbors to give me dirty looks as I dig through my own flower garden like a pig looking for trolls. <laughs> I think you should definitely do that on all fours. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the only way. You gotta get down to the flower level. <laughs> I'm glad we agree. <laughs> but do we agree on Jim Cornette? I'm gonna yes, say I mean, no. I mean, this is just, spoiler alert, this is just a corned beef sandwich we're gonna be talking about. Oh, no, I just meant the guy himself. Oh, Jim Cornette? Yeah, I mean... He's uh he's loud. He's abrasive. He's from the south. He has a tennis racket. Yeah. So both of these recipes are done by managers. Yes. They kind of have a theme and they're both podcasters as well. They are. And they both have the same kind of look. One is a little more aggressive looking than the other. Um I have a confession though. Okay. I I knew the recipes that we were doing. And for some reason, I just missed Jim Cornette's name, and I knew we were doing loud and aggressive managers, so I've been researching Paul Heyman this whole week, (laughs) and I am less prepared for Jim Cornette than I am. I feel like Paul Heyman doesn't even have a recipe in this book, does he? He does not. Okay. No, (laughs) he's just short and loud and mean, and and, and a manager, so I just thought, I mean, Heyman and like... Ham is kind of like a sandwich thing. I don't know why I thought him. But I've been watching a lot of those videos, and he's a great talker. And Jim Cornette I watched too. So. Jim Cornette <laughs> has been in wrestling since the early 80s. I think his most notable thing he's done has been the manager for a tag team called the Rock and Roll Express. They were an 80s tag team. They were super cool. All the ladies loved them. There was just they were rocking mullets, and they were just two hunky dudes who loved to like play guitar and just be like in a band. And their gimmick got stolen by pretty much every single promotion in the '80s, including WWE, who had the Rockers. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shawn Michaels, what's up? For the world tag team champions, the hottest commodity in wrestling. The time in that Philadelphia Civic Center when beautiful Bobby came off that top rope, landed on Arn Anderson's head. It changed in that brief moment the entire face of professional wrestling. We beat the odds, we beat the system, we beat the unbeatable team. Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, what you beat was a hasty retreat, brother. And in that same self-same instant, beautiful Bobby and sweet Sam became recognized. We got the proof, brother. It ain't bragging, it's fact. We're the number one tag team in professional wrestling. They were a blatant ripoff of the Rock and Roll Express, and that's just how... When something worked in another promotion, another promotion would steal it. That would just be how it worked. Yeah. And the the Rock and Roll Express, they were rocking the dry mullets, which I think I've said before, but I do appreciate a dry mullet. 
And they rock them to this day. They were at the Hall of Fame Yay. less than a year ago, and they were still having mullet <laughs> fever. Mullet fever was hanging strong in them. <laughs> That's great. That's what wrestling's good for. <laughs> <laughs> I liked, too, that they didn't... They looked both. They both looked like if a Ken doll was a wrestler. They almost looked like twins. In the video I watched, that was one of the videos I watched. I'm glad that's what you brought up. <laughs> they were wearing a matching pastel little like speedo suit, that type outfit, and then their like knee pads and elbow pads were all. It was all pastels. So yeah, very 80s. Jim Cornette would come down to the ring with the tennis racket inside of the tennis racket sleeve just to look more pompous and mean and like more hateable just because he looked like he came from wealth or maybe tennis was still associated with rich people, I think, in the 80s. <laughs> that was just like a oh, thing, right? Yeah. Country clubs and whatnot. He came right from the country club into the wrestling ring. Sweater around the shoulders. He doesn't wear a sweater, though. But yeah, I see your point. In the WWF, he managed Yokozuna. <gasps> Oh. That was the big, big one. Because <laughs> he weighed like 600 pounds? <laughs> <laughs> no. He was terrified. He just took, could take a bump, and he was loud and obnoxious, and he did what a manager should do, which was get heat, which was getting heat as I mean getting hated for his talent. Yes, and wearing creepy 80s dad, like alcoholic dad glasses. Yeah, those have just like a horned rim. Is that what those are called? I think horned rim is like... Like mine, like the plastic. Oh, okay. I don't actually know, though. He's got like a double rim kind of dealy thing going there. They're like gold and square. Like creepy pastors wear them. Like, I don't know. They're just, they're creepy glasses. They're not great. Anyone who's suspect of a crime is probably wearing these glasses. He had a very long career in the WWE. Do you know how he got fired? Did you read that little tidbit? I did not. He slapped a wrestler who was in training for not selling during a match Mm -hmm. to explain more i'm using different wrestling terminologies not selling is mean when someone punches you you don't react to it the right way or if someone hits you you don't react to it the right way it's the art of wrestling and acting like making stuff look like it's painful and hurts and that wrestler he slapped was santino morella (gasps) no santino (laughs) got him fired and he ended up getting fired over that reason like there's a bunch of controversy so they let him go up until then he was booking matches a booker is the person that kind of explains what's going to be happening in a storyline they'll help with what's going on inside of the match they kind of set the ins and outs of who wins and who loses and like moves inside of inside of a wrestling match so that was his big thing he did that for like 20 years and he still was. I think he might even still do it now, but I know he's probably just podcasting. I don't think he's a booker anymore. But most of the people in this cookbook have podcasts. I'm realizing slowly. <laughs> <laughs> There's very few that are even alive, so that just makes me double sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the ones who are alive are podcasting. <laughs> Jim Ross, who wrote the book, he's got a great podcast. He does. I listened to part of an episode of his, and I like his. I really, he's really growing on me as a person. I don't know him as a person, but I just really like him. He's just a great, affable guy. I just want to be his friend. On a side note, I would just like to point out, because I did so much, re- so much research into Paul Heyman, Jim Ross punched Paul Heyman in the face during one episode, and it was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> but is this recipe pretty great? We are segueing. I'm going to read this one. 
I, I hope you do. <laughs> this is exciting. Jim Cornette's Kentucky Corn Beef Sandwiches. Master Jim E. Cornette's eating habits are legendary. In fact, I think the Wendy's Triple Burger might have been Corny's idea. This guy knows his beef. As a matter of fact, I think James E. and I really bonded after I introduced him to the Whataburger chain and he turned me on to Steak and Shake. Jim Cornette is now tutoring future Federation superstars at Ohio Valley Wrestling in Louisville, Kentucky. This is a great sandwich. Don't use oil-based coleslaw. Try potato bread instead of rye for a change of pace. Ingredients are one three to four pound uncooked Nathan's or other brand corned beef, light done right Thousand Island dressing, 12 slices of seedless rye bread, half pound of coleslaw, eight ounces of sliced Swiss cheese, reduced fat if desired. There's only three steps in this recipe. Step one, cook the corned beef with the packaged seasoning in a slow cooker as directed on the package. Step two, remove the corned beef and slice it lengthwise. Step three, spread the Thousand Island dressing on six slices of the bread. Add the slices of corned beef and top with the coleslaw and Swiss cheese. Top with the remaining slices of bread and serve immediately. Make six sandwiches. Brad, did you make six sandwiches? No, I made one sandwich <laughs> for me. <laughs> did you buy an entire corned beef and cook it in the slow cooker as directed? No, I used the or other brand corned beef ah. suggestion in the recipe and just bought already cooked corned beef out of a package. Do you think that counts as a step? Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's an insane step. That's so many things. And then the rest of the steps are make a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. This is how to make a sandwich. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it sure is. So did you do it? Did you do it? Did you like it? Did I make a corned beef sandwich? Yes. <laughs> it was great. It's a corned beef sandwich. <laughs> did you follow it to how the How do letter? you screw this up? <laughs> I used, um, I didn't use coleslaw. I had leftover sauerkraut because St. Yeah. Patty's Day just happened. Yeah. And I used a torta bread, which is stuff you like usually make Mexican tacos or Mexican sandwiches out of, instead of rye bread, just because that's what I had around. And I have a Thousand Island dressing that doesn't have soy in it. It was like a fancier one that I got at the store, and it was Ooh. great. And Swiss cheese, you cannot go wrong. And it was just an Angus beef um, deli meat that I used. Not corned beef. Corned beef, yeah. Oh, okay. I did not use corned beef. Because I don't like it, I found out. (laughs) Oh, there's so many different kinds. It's great. Yeah, but I got smoked turkey, and I did that, which I think is not a Reuben, which is what the sandwich basically is, but a Rachel, I think they call it, for ladies who are watching their figures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I did yum yum sauce instead of Thousand Island dressing, and I did vegan flaxseed bread gluten-free vegan flaxseed bread instead of rye bread and I did I made two sandwiches I did one with a vinegar coleslaw because otherwise it's like too much cream for me and I did one with sauerkraut and they're both amazing and delicious and I didn't put on any Swiss cheese so I actually didn't follow any of these recipe <laughs> suggestions it sounds like you made an entirely different I... sandwich did you, what dressing did you yum yum pizza? sauce the yum yum. You just skipped right past the dressing. Okay. It was right. super good though. I mean, it's basically Thousand Island hmm. dressing without relish in it, is what yum yum sauce is. It's pink, 
Yeah, I mean, this is just a sandwich. This is a recipe for a sandwich, <laughs> and sandwiches are great. Yeah. How can you make a bad sandwich? I don't. I get would it. like to go on a sandwich diet and just eat sandwiches all the time. That sounds fabulous. That seems so many so great. There's so many different varieties of sandwich. Yeah. There's different kinds of bread. Everything inside the sandwich is interchangeable. That's why it's yeah. amazing. That's why I mean, maybe you don't need steps to make a sandwich. This is a big recipe, though. Six sandwiches. Which is at least, if you look at the amount of meat they wanted, that's at least half a pound of meat on each sandwich. I wasn't even paying attention to that. I wasn't going to buy the corned beef that was like so <laughs> yeah, expensive. Yeah, I figured. Because <laughs> it was marked up. It was it was the opposite of being marked down for St. Pags Day. They were actually like selling it out. It was like out of stock and it was more expensive. So, Brad, what do you give sandwiches? Five. Yeah. Five, five stars. stars here too. So, five star sandwich, but but I gotta maybe rate this recipe a little differently. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how is this not a five star recipe? It's a it's a Reuben. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna dock half a point because it's light salad dressing, and you just because I'm feeling bread. There's no acid in it. That's my problem. I feel like it should be sauerkraut instead of coleslaw. So yeah, you can. He says you can use a. Uh, do, he says not to use an oil-based coleslaw. That probably means an acid one, right? I think so. Apple cider vinegar, or what have you. Yeah. So uh, four and a half. Also, because I think these instructions are nonsense. I think this recipe is nonsense, actually. <laughs> this recipe needs an asterisk by it because it doesn't make any sense. It's just a. It's just a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. It's it's giving this book too much credit for having a five-star recipe in it when it's just like a sandwich. If he's supposed to be a rich tennis guy, I would have liked to see in like cucumber sandwiches or like little finger sandwiches if he's got to have a sandwich so yeah i don't know also didn't know what a burger was around in the early 2000s i thought that was a newer chain i guess not i thought that was a made-up word <laughs> yeah that's uh that's, that's a burger chain down south they have it a lot in texas it's also misprint like misheard as water burger oh almost because people who know what it is like like to say it that way to make it sound that weird gross yeah yeah but that's like what the thing. The thing is, say Whataburger. Not like Wahlburger? No, Wahlburger is. <laughs> it's no. also no gross. Bueno. <laughs> no bueno. No bueno. So, yeah, I mean, I guess this one this one makes it into the Hall of Fame then, right? I guess so. Begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jim Cornette's Yucky <laughs> Corned Beef Sandwich. Welcome to the Top Rope Chef Hall of Fame. With an asterisk. <laughs> with, with a big asterisk <laughs> by it, because, I mean, we're going to put sandwiches in the Hall of Fame. That's just going to yeah. happen. <laughs> it just got a free pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see if Brother Love gets a free pass after these messages. But before that, or... we have, we're have we ending a little bit early this part one. Oh. Let's talk about sandwiches. What's your, uh, what's your go-to oh, sandwich? I don't have a go-to sandwich. You don't have a go-to? I go through moods. You don't? I go. I definitely have ones that I won't eat. Like I, I'll never eat just like a plain ham sandwich. Oh, no, that's not exciting ham to me. Ham spread that makes me upset. I don't like it. I don't. Mm-hmm. No. I like salami if it's like mixed in with other stuff or just on its own with mustard. That's pretty great. I used to buy salami and it would never make it to the sandwich. I would just eat it out of the package. <laughs> <laughs> I like 
My sandwich eating is very emotional. Not like I cry into my sandwich, <laughs> but it's like if I'm in like a certain mood, then I need blah sandwich or blah sandwich. And lately it's been egg salad sandwiches with pickles in it. That's definitely a, a mood yeah, sandwich. Yeah, right? I don't know what mood it is. Neither do I. I'm sick of winter and spring is not quite here yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like oven roasted turkey and I like honey mm. turkey. Those are both delicious just to mix it up yeah. a little bit. I mean, you can't beat a grilled cheese either. Right. We could do a whole cookbook just on variations of grilled cheese. Yeah, I'm sure that exists. It has to. I could do it better. <laughs> I had a plantain grilled cheese sandwich <gasps> at one point. That was great. What? That was one of the more exciting ones what that I had. What is that? Yeah. It's just plantains. You just bake plantains and put them in a grilled what cheese. What kind of cheese, though? Um, I, I personally use, like, American cheese. And that's, like, the like. there's two things I ever use American cheese mm-hmm. on. One of them is grilled cheese, and one of them is in scrambled eggs. Mm. That's the only time I'll ever use it. It is good in scrambled eggs. And But Munster is great. Provo- Any cheese is good. Smoked smoked provolone, smoked cheddar, mild cheddar, sharp I cheddar. I did one with provolone and smoked gouda, and I put something else weird. Oh, arugula and onions in it, and it was super good. Havarti, Swiss. I don't discriminate against my cheeses. They're all great. Dill Havarti and sliced tomatoes and really thin sliced onions that used to be my go-to grilled cheese for a while i haven't tried it with goat cheese yet it seems like it'd work fine i've seen someone do a grilled mac and cheese sandwich before that seems very excessive (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that seems very gluttonous it's like the time i put mac and cheese in an egg roll which you can find out on one of our after show episodes yeah it's a lot like that but with i think probably more butter what do you think about pastrami turkey pastrami yeah. I don't know. It's like one of the ones I forget exists. So when I have it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so peppery and delicious. I love the pepper. I love pastrami. Yes. I do mm-hmm. love it. It depends on the sandwich, though. Like, it has to, I feel like it has to be on an Italian sandwich, or else I don't really care for it. You know, like with those spicy little pepper rings, hot pepper rings. Oh, yeah. Pepperoncinos. Pepperoncinos, yeah. yeah. And like a lot of onions and the right. I, mean, I think mozzarella is the one I had it with last time. I don't know how it's possible, but I my eyes are salivating with the thought of eating yes. that sandwich. <laughs> do you? What do you feel about the size of a sandwich? Like, does a giant sandwich scare you off? Are you more drawn to it? It doesn't scare me off because I'll I'll be man enough to take it home and eat it for lunch the okay. next day. I'm not above eating a leftover sandwich, even if it's like a cooked sandwich, like toasted, like corned beef is usually toasted, or like a Monte Cristo, I'll eat it cold the next day and just bite into that hard bread. I, I don't I've care. I've never had a Monte Cristo. Have you? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a sandwich treat and a half. Yeah. I... <laughs> deep fried sandwich. Jacqueline <laughs> deep fried. I've only mm. recently gotten into breakfast sandwiches and tomato and avocado and mayonnaise and a fried egg, and I don't have cheese, but it would be better with cheese. So good. So now that our lust for sandwiches, so I think, hungry. is at full <laughs> satiation, let's talk about the next recipe. Brother Love's Heavenly Fudge Squares. And uh, ever since you uh, lost your title, <laughs> you have also seemed to have lost all control uh, while you even attempted to put your greasy, slimy hands on Brother Love. And we're back. We're going to talk about Brother Love and his heavenly squares? I don't know. I love you. Mm, That's how we would say that. That's a good catchphrase. I know. I get really (laughs) sick of hearing it. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't like him at all. <laughs> he has to be one of the most revolting looking people. Yes. I've ever seen in my life. And it's all on purpose, Jacqueline. This is an actor doing a great role. He is. He has big gaudy gold rings on every single one of his chubby little mole fingers. He looks like a rat face mole is what I just told Brad. His hair's all greased back and he's got a nasty little rat mullet that he has a little ponytail. What color would you call his skin? Oh, crimson. <laughs> Scarlet, um, sunburn, <laughs> devil red. It's horrendous. And he's also got those big creeper glasses, the gold rimmed creepy glasses. He looks like a kid toucher. Let's just let's just call a spade. A I didn't spade. know we were allowed to say that. Yeah, he is a straight up pedophile <laughs> for sure. He, lo- he looks like a kid toucher. It's so creepy. You don't think we're allowed to say it on our own podcast? <laughs> know the censorship rules (laughs) i'm pretty sure i've dropped quite a few f-bombs so far he looks like he reminds me of also yeah a a child molester but also an evangelical like fraud preacher at the same time that's the gimmick back in the 90s that was a huge thing on cable but it's like he's on a cable news network like the fake little carpet he has is bright red that matches his nasty bright red shirt underneath his white linen not linen cheap white suit with a white tie and he's got like a rose little corsage nope that's not the right word boutonniere <laughs> he just is is tacky and gross and bleh, bleh. great it's great it's great how awful he looks and how terrible he gets right up in people's faces like he is he is a heel for sure and he get he'll have people on for like these fake little interviews and talk about how much he loves them, but he's just really nasty. On the Brother Love Show, yes. it was those are like my least favorite things to watch as a kid because they were just so boring. Super boring. They're boring still. Yeah. Where is the wrestling? I don't want to <laughs> hear this talk show guy. But he would sit in front of like a podium and do the the televangelist yes. thing in like talk in a weird way. And it was just seemed like meandering to me. And because he wasn't a wrestler, I didn't yeah. like him. Agreed. And honestly, if you watch enough of these as an adult, you feel the same way. <laughs> but he has this this tinny organ chords playing behind him the entire time, too. Like the the meandering kind of organ that goes in between while the preacher is talking and you're supposed to go, Hail Jesus, or whatever people say. He's got a podcast called Something to Wrestle With. It is one of the biggest podcasts that's ever boomed. In terms of ratings and records and things like that, even like non-wrestling, it just like exploded all of a sudden when he started doing it. And it's because he has so many great stories. He was in the WWE from 1992 to 2008. And just imagine like how many stories that guy has about wrestlers and behind the scenes things. He was there for everything. He was, and that's when everything changed too. Like, things were changing over from their, like, the golden age to, like, the weird attitude era, and then out of that into the PG-13 kind of stuff. Monday Night Wars, he was there for the, the, the highs and the lows in WWF. 16 years is a long time to have a career in a wrestling company. It's huge. I have a favorite segment of his that I watched. Okay. It was with um, Rowdy Roddy Piper came on. And listeners, if you don't know who that is... Go get educated. Go get educated, people. Definitely. Yeah, he's 
he might be my new favorite wrestler after I I got on a segue of just watching Rowdy Roddy Piper Eclipse and he is just phenomenal. He's the one who wears a kilt um, and is like crazy and fun, but he wears a kilt. That's how you would know who he is. So he comes out onto the Brother Love show and Brother Love is like, like he gets too close to your face and he comes at you from like the bottom up. So he's like talking up into your chin. It's very uncomfortable to watch. And he was talking to Rowdy Roddy Piper, telling him that he loved him, but also that where he comes from, that people don't wear skirts, his little sister wears skirts. And he says, oh, brother Roddy, I mean, sister Roddy. It's a lot of like homophobic jokes. And just telling him that he's gross and that he's like a a little girly man and all this stuff. Rowdy Roddy has this leather bag that he's carrying with him and he's just kind of like resting it on his face and just like playing with it and brother love asks about it and then rowdy roddy piper says where i come from people floss their teeth so he pulls out dental floss and grabs brother love and makes him kneel down and is like forcibly flossing his teeth like the worst experience you could have with flossing just shoving floss in there and telling him he can smell his breath and it's gross and then he pulls out a tube of toothpaste and just pours it in, his, in Brother Love's open mouth, pours it on his face, and grabs his hand and smears the toothpaste up on his face into his hair and, like, tussles it in his hair. It is the grossest, most upsetting, most awesome thing I've ever seen. That sounds like my absolute worst nightmare, and I will probably go to bed. Hoping Roddy Piper is not wake, like wakes me up in the morning and does that to me because that would be terrible. But then I'm not even done. Then <laughs> oh jeez no. <laughs> from behind Rowdy Roddy comes ravishing Rick Rude, who is the man who we've talked about him before. He's got a big old perm. He thinks he's super hot and he wears pants with his own face on his crotch. He came up from behind Rowdy Roddy and reached into his dental bag and grabbed mouthwash and threw it in his eyes, blinding Rowdy Roddy, and then they beat each other. Or he beat Roddy up, destroyed the set. Great. Super great. Ravishing Rick Rude knows an awful lot about hygiene and also knows something else about Rick Rude. See, he's a loving man, and I know that he loves you. Kind of like I love you. What we're talking here is major bad breath. You know what you need? Uh-oh. What you need is you need a lesson in hygiene. Hi, brother love. Uh-oh. What's he going? What's when the purpose of this, McMahon? What is that? Talking your basic dental flossing. Is dental flossing? He may catch a disease as a result of that. Where are the WWF officials when this goes on? They're probably sitting back enjoying this like I am. I don't know. Oh, 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 no. You brush after flossing. Look at Look at that. I feel like... The throwing things in the eyes of wrestlers used to happen a lot. There used to be something called the atomizer that Rick Martell would have, and it was just a big perfume yes. thing that he would just spray in people's eyes. A lot of wrestlers, you know, stereotypically Asian, would have like crushed up green mist that they would spit in yeah, people's eyes. Yeah, that happened to Hogan in the Yokozuna match. I remember <laughs> that. It was a fake camera, and they just sprayed the powder in his eyes. And on an episode, 
That Hogan was on with Brother Love, he got something thrown in his eyes. It just happened all the time. Talcum powder would get thrown mm-hmm. in the eyes. It was just the dirtiest trick you could do to somebody. I love it. I miss it. I think Brother Love is most known for introducing the world to the greatest gimmick wrestler of all time, The Undertaker. He introduced the world to The Undertaker. Before Paul Bear, there was Brother Love. It happened, and there was like three or four months where they didn't insert Paul Bear yet, and Brother Love was managing The Undertaker. Well, that is a confusing, that's a very confusing pair-up. I don't get it. Yeah, that's why they picked it. (laughs) (laughs) The Undertaker's like the devil, right? Or is Kane the devil? He's an Undertaker, I think, more than anything. It's the dead man. He's more of a zombie, I think. Yeah. So zombies in church. I can see the little bit of a tan like a tangent there, but Take that church. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of church, I think that's where I'm gonna drop these squares off. <laughs> oh boy. I don't I think they'll gonna I think they'll find you if you do. We cooked Brother Love's Heavenly Squares. Longtime World Wrestling Federation fans remember the controversial and portly brother love for his outrageous interviews with Federation superstars and his patented phrase, I love you. Brother Love had a sweet tooth as pronounced as a colorful character, and the legend goes, could put away his favorite fudge in mass quantities with the proper motivation. He had to be awake. When you're in the mood for serious fudge, try this one on for size. By the way, Brother Love is actually Houston, Texas native Bruce Pritchard. And he now coordinates the Federation's talent development team. <laughs> Such a weird little thing to add on. <laughs> oh, he's also this other guy. It's <laughs> the only person he's done it for. We have for the fudge squares and for the topping. For the fudge squares, you're going to need a half cup margarine or butter, one and a half squares unsweetened chocolate, one and three quarters cups graham cracker crumbs, one cup flaked coconut, half cup chopped pecans, one quarter cup sugar, Two tablespoons water, one teaspoon vanilla. For the topping, two cups powdered sugar, quarter cup margarine or butter softened, two tablespoons milk, one teaspoon vanilla, one and a half squares unsweetened chocolate. There are six steps to this recipe. Step one. To make the fudge squares, line a nine by nine inch square pan with aluminum foil, allowing the foil to come over the sides of the pan. Two. Over low heat in a three-quart saucepan, melt the margarine and chocolate, stirring occasionally. Remove from the heat. 3. Stir in the graham cracker crumbs, coconut, pecans, sugar, water, and vanilla. Press the mixture into the pan and refrigerate. Step 4. To make the topping in a bowl, mix together the powdered sugar, margarine, milk, and vanilla. Spread over the fudge. Refrigerate for 15 minutes. Step 5. In a small saucepan over low heat, melt the chocolate Drizzle over the top of the fudge, refrigerate for two hours, or until hardened. Step six, using the foil, lift the fudge from the pan, fold the foil back to cut the squares, cover, and refrigerate leftover squares. Mix 25 squares of chocolate. Step seven, go to the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like my teeth were going to fall out of their sockets. I thought you were exaggerating, and you were not. (laughs) This is the sugariest kid food I've ever experienced in my life. It's not, it's not fudge. (laughs) It is, it is. Mine came out to be fudge. I can't call it anything but fudge. I mean, I don't mean, I, that came out wrong. (laughs) 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's sweet. I even cut sugar back because you sent me that text about how sweet it was, and it still hurt my teeth to eat. It's so gross. So I did not do step five, which was just add more chocolate drizzle to the already chocolate squares. I also played with that step. <laughs> I didn't. I was irritated by step four because it didn't say that because it said for the topping to not put the chocolate in but just drizzle unsweetened chocolate on top so i just put the unsweetened chocolate inside of that so it's just chocolate on chocolate it's not like white weirdness step four is just make cake batter right it makes it's make cake frosting rather uh yeah yeah that's what that is so we're covering chocolate fudge (laughs) with cake frosting that's why i didn't want to do it (laughs) (laughs) nobody wants to do this Who would want to do this? I don't, I don't know. Mm. It made this recipe made me wish I was eating a s'more instead. It has everything that goes great in a s'more right in there. So I had to ask several people about what one and a half squares of chocolate is. Um, it's irritating because they come in squares, and each there are some chocolate unsweetened chocolate bars that the squares are different sizes, so that's not helpful at all. They should tell you. Mine looked like a Hershey's bar. So the squares were small. They were like oh. 16 squares in a, in a bar. Yeah, so one square. Is one bar, one square. That's what I figured out. No. I use oh, a whole geez. bar? <laughs> yeah. I use two whole bars. I use two whole bars of chocolate. No. So one square <laughs> um, is an eighth of that of a bar. So you did Okay. You did 16 times. No, eight times? So one square is eighth. Like... If you crack that bar into eight even pieces, that's what one of your squares is. Yeah. Uh, One of your... Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Too much chocolate. But that probably made it... But that made it less sweet, though, because the chocolate is unsweetened. How thin was yours? Because mine's pretty thick. Oh. Mine was, like, the thickness... The thickness of a Hershey bar is pretty thin. Okay, mine's, like, double that, so that makes sense. Okay. Mine still tasted good, but it was just way too sugary and insane. But it... So yours, but yours actually had a better sugar to chocolate ratio. Yeah, mine had way less chocolate in it than yours did. And I did put, I put two squares instead of one and a half because I don't want to break a square in half. That's nonsense. And yours was still that sweet. I don't understand. I got lost on what a square of chocolate is. I feel misled. It's like an ounce, I think, or half an ounce. I feel betrayed. Yeah. Yeah, chocolate bar, I think it had four ounces total in it. So. I did like the graham cracker in it and the coconut. I liked yeah, it in the that, pecans. Yeah, that fun. You say pecans mm-hmm. or pecans. I say pecans. Yeah, pecan pie. That was pecan pie. You, you say pecan pie? I'm from, I'm from a very high <laughs> class. It, it sounds like you're like making a bird noise when you say it that way. Pecan! Pecan! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think you needed that extra quarter cup of sugar in here either. Just in it that that was probably the worst addition to this I think. <laughs> yeah and i didn't put two cups of powdered sugar i put a cup and three quarters and i wish i would have dialed that back too that was a lot it's a lot of sugar but they did say to cut it into 25 squares so those are really small squares i guess yeah i think yeah mine's probably five by five so yeah 25 yeah makes sense i don't know these are so rich and terrifying yeah they hurt me they're they so just sugary. don't make my teeth feel good. They don't make my mouth feel good. I don't want to eat more of them. No, I need to get rid of them. I don't know how I'm going to get rid of them. If I bring these to work, people are 
going to lose confidence in me real fast. Yeah, I don't even know how to how to do this. I'm probably going to do it anyways. They probably have to go in the trash can a few days from now, I feel. You don't think your roommates will eat it? If they do, they'll probably be dead. This is so much sweetness. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I eat like I ate a half of one of the 25 yeah. squares and it's too much. I did the same. I didn't even eat a whole square. My tooth right now is tingling thinking about <laughs> Thinking about these heavenly squares, I think I need to go see the dentist tomorrow. I think you might have to. I think I might join you. This is no bueno. Um, I mean, I give him five stars on creativity, but he tried to. I mean, this is how you, this is how you make fudge. You melt down chocolate and you cool it. That's all. That's all fudge is, and it's just how you put in it. What kind of chocolate you use? It was easy to make dairy free to use margarine and then just coconut milk. That was all I really had to do. Gluten free graham crackers. They even suggest doing yeah. that. It seemed great. Yeah, it was super great. It worked out. Just a little bit sweet. A little bit sweet. It's <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this recipe mm, two and a half stars. Imagine making it again tomorrow. No. And having to eat it again and re-rate it, Jacqueline. <laughs> re-rate it <laughs> on the basis of when you think you'll actually ever eat this okay. again. Uh, one star. One star. Is that what you give it? I give it one star. Okay, yeah. Brother loves heavenly fudge squares. You're buried alive. I will dig your grave. And I will bury you. <laughs> There's no love. No love. I can't eat these again. No, I I can't eat them either. I was just trying to think of who I can actually le- legitimately give these to. It's not like they're burned or bad. No. I mean, bad in a way that's like like you disgusting to eat. It's just too much. It's, it's just <laughs> too much. He loves me too much. Too much. This brother love. Ugh. Ugh. Does he actually eat like a whole tray of these? We'll have to try to get him to contact us on Twitter to figure out what's up. But I would oh my love gosh. to hear if he eats these. <laughs> well, one winner and one dud this episode. Yeah, I mean that's a saw. That's a gimme winner. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sandwiches. He come on. No, he doesn't even get a I participated ribbon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Top Rope Chef. Thanks for rating, liking, and subscribing to our podcast on your podcast app listening of choice. Get in contact with us, topropechef at gmail.com. We need names to call each other at the beginning of this episode. We need that every week. Send us a bundle of them. We'll pick through them. We'll use the good ones. Twitter.com slash topropechef. Facebook.com slash topropechef seems to be the best place for people to reach us. Get at us with recipes you like. Have you tried one of these? Have you any comments or anything you want to talk to us about? We're open to it. We want to talk to you. If you want to support the podcast monetarily, patreon.com slash top row chip.